0: is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Steve Cook with the throw. Swept goal is by Daniels. And back in by
1: Arter. And it's finished by Josh King. Bournemouth bring problems for Liverpool again. They strike Lake in it. A form at the level at Anfield.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast, with me, Sam Davis. Now, you've probably realised that this show is out a little bit later than normal. This is because it's, well, it's been such a busy week, but also, who really wants to chat extensively about a 4-0 defeat to Tottenham Hotspur? Not me, certainly. So, on this week's show... Whilst we'll be glossing over that loss at White Hart Lane, we will, however, be previewing the next Cherries game as we entertain Middlesbrough at home on Saturday at 3pm. Plus, we'll be going over a number of talking points that you undoubtedly have been reading about online. Now, you'll have noticed that we've got no Sean again this week. Hopefully, he's going to be back to full fitness very soon. So, this week, we've got a controversial stand-in and we'll be introducing him a little bit later on. So... What can you expect from this week's Audible Masterpiece? Now, whilst this podcast is mainly to preview the upcoming match against Middlesbrough, we do sadly have to talk about the capitulation in the capital last weekend. And to help us do that, we'll be joined by Cherry's fan Jamie Williams. But not before Michael Dunn brings us his full synopsis of the game. Now, during the week, there have been several stories that have emerged. One of the main ones being Jack Wilshere and his hairline fracture, which rules him out for the rest of the season. So is it the last time that we've seen him in a cherry shirt? And when all things are said and done, was his loan spell with the Cherries a success or not? We get Jamie's view. And also this week, in amongst the rumours of Max Gradle apparently wanting to leave, there have also been murmurings that John Terry is at the top of Eddie Howe's list as being a face that he would like to bring in for next season. Yes, he's not so fast as he used to be, and yes, fans will be split about him coming to Dean Court, but we get Jamie's view on whether JT can be okay for AFCB. And then it's on to Borough, and as we said, it's a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday at the Vitality, with the north-eastern side in the relegation zone, so we should be expecting three points. They haven't scored many goals, and they're having a really bad run of form, so... That can only mean one thing, right? We talk tactics as well as making our predictions too. Now this week, it's four years to the day when Bournemouth got promoted to the Championship from League One. At the time, many of us thought it was probably the pinnacle of where we could reach. How naive were we? So in this week's Do You Remember, we have a series of five trivia questions. And if you get them right, well, you'll get a gold star from us.
1: Do you remember? Do you remember?
2: But it's broken out here for Francis on the right-hand side, and Francis tries to play in Pittman. Pittman's touch is good enough to find Pew. Pew with a
0: little
1: step. Pivov with a shot. Pivov gets the goal. The punter tears on the brink of promotion and keeps his fabulous. Run! You can almost taste it as the celebration starts. Well, what a magnificent strike and between the two of them tried to set it up for one another but eventually Mark Pugh just a little flick of the back heel right into Pitman's path and he managed to keep it hard and low and into the bottom corner while that finishes this game. Oh, so close enough. three blows his whistle early. The Terriers are on the brink of promotion. It was tense in the first half, but when they went two one ahead,
2: they saw the job through. There's a flurry of
0: fans. Band... So what a game it was, four years to the day, and we've got five questions which we want you to answer about that very match. Firstly, question one: Who did we play? Question two. Which players scored for us? Question 3. Which current AFCB squad members, including those on loan, there's a clue, featured for AFCB? Question 4. What were a significant number of the away fans dressed as that day? And Question 5. Whose result that evening were we all waiting on to confirm our promotion? So, the questions again, who did we play, who scored for us, which current AFCB squad members featured for Bournemouth that day, what were a significant number of the away fans dressed as, and whose result were we waiting on to confirm promotion? The answers are at the end of the show. So stay tuned for the answer. Jamie and I, well, I'll be testing Jamie anyway, will be revealing the answer at the end of the show. Plus, we'll be discussing the week's Cherries news. But first, we've got to get it over and done with. Hard hats on, we're going in. It's the report of Spurs v Cherries. And to give us the analysis, it's the one and only Michael Dunn.
2: beloved Cherries fell to one of their heaviest defeats of the season against the Spurs side playing at the very top of their game on our second and final visit to White Hart Lane on Saturday Eddie made no changes to the team that started against Chelsea aside from replacing Ryan Fraser who had been unwell in the days leading up to the game with a fit again junior Stanislas Tyrone Means returned from the five games away helping the FA understand the concept of justice to a defensive looking bench which was unable to accommodate record signing Jordan Ibe Tottenham took control of the game from the kickoff, with only a block from Steve Cook and a linesman's flag preventing our nemesis Harry Kane from opening the scoring early on. Moussa Dembele had no such problems when he gave Spurs the lead on 16 minutes. Referee Michael Oliver awarded what appeared from the away end to be a questionable corner, and it can only be assumed that our heroes in red and black were still discussing this decision and they allowed Eriksson's flag kick to pass through a large part of the 18-yard box untouched before it fell to Dembele, who found himself in acres of space, despite at least four of our number having nobody else to mark. The Belgian midfielder had no problem beating the exposed Artur Boric to score his first goal since January last year. Three minutes later, Mariccio Poticino side-doubled their lead through the pacey Song Hoang Min. White Hart Lane favourite Jack Wilshire stole the ball in midfield before instigating a snappy passing move in a tight area, but when Jack received the ball again, a carelessly struck pass bounced off Eric Dyer into the path of Kane, who deftly flicked it onto Son. The Korean raced past Steve Cook and finished across Boritz at the far post. The remainder of the first half saw Boritz full off several decent saves as the home side continued to dominate. We did manage a chance of sorts when Cook headed over Hugo Lloris's crossbar from a Stanislas corner, but it was largely a rearguard action and it came as something of a relief to go into the break only two goals in arrears. Whatever words of wisdom Eddie had conveyed at half-time were rendered largely redundant three minutes into the second period when Kane added the third Tottenham goal. Receiving the ball from Ali, the England forward somehow held off Simon Francis on the turn, won himself half a yard of space, and fired past the outstretched Boris to claim his sixth strike in just three appearances against Bournemouth. With that, the contest was effectively over and the Cherry Nation crossed their fingers that the goal difference would not take any more of a hammering. Spurs already had more than half an eye on the FA Cup semi-final, but had little trouble maintaining their grip on the game. Boric saved a couple more times from Kane, the second of which ended a passage of play in our area that saw Wilshire prone on the turf clutching his ankle. This was an injury greeted with unanimous delight by the home fans, who appear far from ready to forgive the Magic Hatted one for leading anti-Spurs chance following Arsenal's FA Cup wins in 2014 and 15. Wilshire limped off soon afterwards and reportedly left the lane on crutches, a worrying development with the most crucial runner of games of our season about to commence. Jack's misfortune saw Lewis Cook enter the fray, and in perhaps the only positive development of the afternoon, the former Leeds midfielder did not look out of place in his first top flight appearance since the opening day of the campaign. Poticino then withdrew Kane, Ali and Ericsson in turn, and in stoppage time Kane's replacement Vincent Janssen scored his first Spurs goal from open play after Steve Cook had cleared his first attempt off the line. Fornell was an accurate reflection of the match and the golfing class between the two sides was as obvious as the scoreline suggests. It won't be a performance that lives long in the memory but that will be no great loss if we can re-find our feet in the games that remain and secure a third season in the Premier League. A few weeks ago, Steve Cook spoke of how we were engaged in a fight to the death to stave off relegation and it is a fight that begins in earnest now.
0: Well, thank you very much, Michael, for that. Now, you'll have noticed a distinct lack of fan thoughts after the reports recently. It seems that there's a negative correlation when it comes to our listener figures versus the fan thoughts that we receive. So until the phone lines start buzzing again, we will be reading your tweets out as part of the show in a new section which I'd officially like to call... Reading your tweets out. Six tweets to A at the AFCB hashtag that caught our eye from the week are going to be featured. Not necessarily revolving around the last game, but accompanying them, as ever, will be a song choice, which was so very close to being Ross Devonport. Brilliant, mate. Blown away by Carrie Underwood. Bournemouth certainly were, but Dan came in this week with a last-minute cheeky bit of Star Sailor. You remember them? I think I saw them at V Festival in... God. 2003, was it? Anyway, this track is called Four to the Floor. Good one, Dan. Speaking after Spurs, Tom Gorham, 86. Losing 4 0 away at Spuds means little when there's Lake Orient fans outside White Hart Lane with collection buckets. I gave what I had. I hope they survive. Top man, Tom. No to bear, no Tom Jordan, 21. If you had offered me seven points clear of the relegation zone after games against Liverpool, Chelsea and Spurs, I'd have ripped your hands off, hashtag AFCB. Tom, I'm with you there. Well, yes, it was four and we were on the floor, but a classy tweet from Nick90 underscore THFC. Wilshire is about the only player I'd wish a career ending injury on. The guy has spouted so much SH1T about Spurs in his time that I couldn't care less. Stay classy, Nick. That's Nick90 underscore THFC. Nick90 underscore THFC. Jim underscore AFCB, walking across the to the park to AFCB this evening. A group of small boys playing football, and they all had cherry shirts on. Great to see. It certainly is, Jim. Top lads. Alex Deutsch. The two things I've learned from Wiltshire's stint at AFCB: one, the media can't wait to see a player fall, and two how few people have a clue about football. Could have
1: if only you were here.
0: Finally, about the rumours that Bournemouth could be interested in John Terry. <whistles> Big Fat Ollie. Not sure JT is the answer to our defensive woes. Players like Mings of the Future... Let's back him instead. Girl. So, some tweets from the past week there. And if you were mentioned in this segment, give yourself a rather large pat on the back. We'll be chatting more about Jack Wilshere and John Terry later on in the show. But speaking of Pat, salutations to Patrick Devitt. Ross Devonport, Gary Wright and AFCB Sydney, all of your tweets were read by us and of course be sure to also voice note them into us as well, fans at afcbpodcast.com, we can't wait to hear your voice. So before we talk about Jack and JT, it's over to another Jay and on this week's show we're pleased to have AFCB fan Mr Jamie Williams, Jamie how are you mate?
1: I'm good thanks, how are you?
0: Yeah, yeah, very well. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, you've been on the podcast before, as many people will have known, and you've sort of ruffled a few feathers over Twitter with your frank opinions, but uh, we're pleased to have you on. As you always back up your points, right or wrong, with a with a real decent argument, but tell me this, can you defend that 4-0 defeat on Saturday? I mean, what were your
1: thoughts? Well, being at the game, I, it's not about me defending it. It's our team defending it, and they just, well, quite frankly, they couldn't do it. No they couldn 't at
0: all. I mean, where do you think it went wrong?
1: I just think the whole setup and the organization of the team would, um, not necessarily formations, but just just how we implemented each player in the system we didn 't stop them playing and it was far too easy to get from their box to ours and it was just we just didn't make it difficult for spears
0: no that's I mean do you think that um... Playing four four two is a sensible move, sort of move. I mean, I know we've done it uh, successfully against the big sort, you know, the big teams. But Spurs are even a class above teams like Liverpool. So,
1: do you think four is a sort of sensible decision? Well, it's it's not actually down to four four two. Is it is about the how the players play. It is I don't agree with like people singling out formations. Sometimes I do. I think it's is um, quite a generic thing. it's it's more about how you control space now your players move to counteract the opposition yeah. because some of the best teams in the world have played 442 defensively like Juventus did last night against Barcelona and Madrid have made a two Champions League finals played 442 so it's not actually the system it's how you implement your players in it
0: so i mean uh, let's just sort of uh, just just briefly just come away from that i mean spurs uh, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea in consecutive weeks. I mean, when you compare Chelsea and Spurs, I mean, who do you think is going to win the title out of those two?
1: Um, I think Chelsea, be not necessarily because they're a better side, because I think Tottenham are the best footballing side we've played. It's just because I think they've got enough of an advantage over Spurs at the moment with four points mm. to just hold on because with the games they've got. I think, and they are quite an efficient team. I wouldn't say they're better than Spurs because I think Spurs, they, on Saturday, they looked uh, the cream of the crop, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, they
0: really did. So, I mean, it was Dembele that scored after 16. There was a real troublesome three minutes and then Son on 19. Harry Kane, I think he's um, he's one of a few strikers. He's just the fourth player to have scored 20 Premier League goals in three consecutive seasons. But uh, players, there seem to be a number of players like Sterling and Kane. Always do well against us, and then three nil. That was fair enough. And then the fourth goal from Jansen. Do you think? Uh, do you think that reflected the general performance? That four nil
1: scoreline. Um, in the stands, I thought it could have been ten. To be honest, they were just having shot after shot in that first half, and then it continued the second half. A lot of them, like you would expect, Barracks to save, but we didn't really offer anything in the game. And all the shots in the game, Bar Daniels, when the, ironically the. The bomb of faithful was singing. Uh, We've had a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It was just all on our goal, all in our half. Really, we didn't go into their half that many times
0: yeah i mean we were we were easily brushed aside weren't we I mean, I, mean, I mean the chasm between the two sides was i mean it was astronomical really so i mean where do you think were our sort of weak points and uh, were you know in hindsight it's easy to say what changes would you have would you have made to have made that match a little bit more competitive
1: well um it's difficult to say because they are so good i don't think there's a lot we could have done like tactically um I think we we could have been better, but I don't necessarily think if we changed formation or if we changed the personnel, we would have had much more joy because they have been brushing aside week after week, especially at White Hart Lane. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, we registered five shots on target to their... Sorry, five shots, one on target. Uh, they registered 24 shots and 14 on target. So it was, it was pretty convincing, but, you know, Bournemouth, as Tom Jordan said, as we heard... Earlier with that tweet, he said he'd have been in someone's handoff if he offered uh he was offered seven points clear of the relegation zone with uh five games to go. So um Swansea are on twenty eight on 18th and then outside of the relegation you just got Hull two points ahead on thirty and then we're on thirty five. Is there any reason for us to be worried, you think?
1: Um for me Three more points, and that's it. Because I can't see Swansea and Hull, maybe one of them, but I can't see them both getting 38 points or more. Um, yeah, I think it might come on Saturday against Borough, but if not, then there's games after that where if we don't pick up three points, we don't deserve to be in the league, to be quite frank.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I um, I do completely, I do completely agree with that. So it's a shame, but obviously Jack Wilshire is is no longer with us now. Did you sort of see what happened um, in terms of the incident in the game? I mean, did you think it was a you know a bad challenge from Kane or anything like that?
1: No, I thought it was just a block kind of thing. It, it, it come from him, giving the ball away, ironically, and then mm-hmm. him chasing back to make amends for his mistake. But um, I, it just seemed like it was a block and maybe his ankle like jarred or something in the ground he didn't he, he tried to uh, go off and then Eddie and Jason were try, trying to uh, get him back on it to defend the corner but he just refused and then he went down and the Spurs fans well everyone knows what they like with Jack Wilshire. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's right. I think it all stems from him saying something well, a few choice words uh, towards the Spurs fans when Arsenal, um, which to be fair, they've been dominating for absolutely years. And this is probably one of the first seasons where in a long time where Spurs can actually say they finished higher. Who knows? They may even still win the league. But when when all said and done with Jack Wilshere and AFC Bournemouth, what's your opinion, Jamie? I mean, do you think his spell with us was a success?
1: Um, I think he's a success. Could have been more uh, successful, mm-hmm. probably, if he had more uh, productive. Uh, uh, if he'd been more productive in his goals and assists, but you can't judge a player on that. His um, attitude towards the whole club, like dressing his kids in Bournemouth attire, um, just his general attitude of not feeling like he's the superstar and just buying into that the whole club ethos of like together anything is possible. Yeah. And he he's been yeah. unlucky, he's hit the post, spot like, six, seven times? Yes, yeah, yeah. And in our club, if you actually look at the stats, he's got the most um like clear cut chances created. And ironically we've got the second worst clear cut chances missed in Venicophobe. <laughs> um so you can kind of uh put two and two together there. So I think he could have done more. Like yeah. it But I think overall it's been a success.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've just been looking. Mark Jackson uh, tweeted this, uh, Mark uh, Jackson 94 Mark, and he's got a stat here from Sky Sports. uh, Jack Walsh's ranking per 90 minutes versus uh, England's other midfielders. And basically, um, he comes out first. So this is Premier League since August 2014. Passes, 64, he's ranked first. Successful passes, he's ranked first. Uh, Successful attacking passes, chances created. Um, And also the tackles, he's up there as well. Um, But it seems to be that the media, as Alex Deutsch said with that tweet that we referenced early on, they cannot wait to, you know, dig in and they can't wait to see a player fail and it seems that a lot of these pundits as he says they don't really have a clue about football because all of a, you know he was doing brilliantly for Bournemouth and there was people like Shearer saying that he's you know this is a great move for him but now all of a sudden they're saying how, how ineffective he's been but surely you can't agree with that
1: well the pundits on match of the day they do they do um they don't help themselves with their analysis sometimes. Mm. Like, um, they, they are purely basing that um, statement on how many goals he's scored, zero, how many assists has he got, two. But they don't actually count goals like we scored at Swansea where Fraser scored and yeah. Wilshire played the pass to split open the whole Swansea defence and then Stanislas just passed it across to Fraser who tapped it in. That doesn't count for anything in their eyes. But at the end of the day, he created that goal. He doesn't get an assist for it, so when they look at basic stats, it doesn't add up to them.
0: No, that's right. I mean, I've I, you know, like you say, I'm I'm really pleased. I was a bit sceptical at first when uh, he made the move, especially because we'd have been paying sort of megabucks for a player that's um you know not proved himself fitness wise in a couple of years but i think his last 19 minutes stint for arsenal was you know back in bc or something i don't know it was a, <laughs> it, it was a long time ago but um yeah we, he he is just quality on the ball but you know obviously over the last few games he he has started the last sort of couple of games but w- would you argue that he's been less effective when he started he, he's been more effective when he's actually come off the bench and he's managed to change games
1: yeah I would say recently I would definitely agree because obviously he's been on the bench a lot more when he came at first he was generally starting the games but I would argue that when he played against Tottenham in the start of the season when we drew 0-0 um, that's the best we like form of display this season probably since we've been in the premier league and he was a fundamental part of that so is kind of i don't know inaccurate to say he's definitely better off the bench than starting but in recent times yes he has been more effective off the bench
0: yeah, so, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we would love to see him uh, back at Dean Court again. And Stu Brownley put out a tweet today saying he would love it at the last game of the season, the last home game, for him to sort of come out on the pitch and take part in the in the sort of parade. I mean, hopefully we'll still be in the Premier League. I'm I'm sure we will be. But, I mean, would you like to see him back next season?
1: Um, I think it would be a hell of a gamble. Hmm. I think he's got the quality and he, he should definitely... Uh, be considered but I would say it depends on how bad this current injury is because if he's a broken leg sometimes they're out for months and months so he might not even be fit and available to buy in the summer
0: mm. yeah that's right so he's one player that uh, you know obviously we would love to see back but hey wasn't it great to see Lewis Cook back in uh, Cherry Shirt I mean it's it's been a long time since we've seen him play and how do you think he did when he came on
1: I thought he was uh, quite impressive actually he, he was putting, uh, putting the work in which a lot of other players didn't do in that game um, he was trying to drive with the ball he was like he didn't lose the ball that many times he was putting tackles in so overall in a in a difficult game to come into he, di- he didn't show himself up to be honest
0: hmm yeah that's right so it's going to be it's going to be quite interesting later on we'll be talking about your sort of ideal signings um for next season because you know we've got we have got a lot of options um from even sort of players that are on loan like hindman um and players that haven't featured so much like a Lewis cook but there are also rumors jamie you've probably seen online um john terry um uh, do you think he would benefit the squad if he came down to Dean court
1: um there's two ways of looking at it Hundred percent, he is a quality player, or he has been. I don't know about this season because he hasn't played a lot. But he just brings a wealth of experience. There's going to be lots of clubs that are after him because hmm. just for that reason alone, he's going to be great in the dressing room and organization. Just uh, just organizing people around him if he plays in, in at centre back. Um, the other side, you can look at it uh, where some AFC Bournemouth fans might look at it this way and think. Is he pushing Mings back down the order yeah. um, for another season? Um, he's always played left centre back for Chelsea. So is that going to move Cook over to right centre back? Although he did play well when Mings move, uh, moved in at left centre back. Yeah. Will it disrupt that uh, cookie? And there's things like that. But overall, I I would say if we can get him, get him for a season. And then who knows if he. If he's still got it in, in him and he plays well for us, you you might want to carry on.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, you certainly he's gonna he's got he's gonna want the dollar, isn't he? But uh, you know, it it will be good to have um, a player of his experience there. Are there any other signings that you'd like to see coming in?
1: Well, I think in terms of names, I don't want to give too many. I'll I'll give a few, but in on, terms of it. positions. Definitely, we've got to look to get a strong spine in our team from back to front. Goalkeeper, I can't see Boric signing of a contract because he would have done it by now, surely. Mm. Um, Francis, he's got to at least go on, on the bench. I I'd struggle to that as honest unless he was sub right back or something like that because mm. of Mings. I'd rather Mings on the bench, but we need a solid partner for Cookie. Definitely a defensive midfielder. Um, I tweeted yesterday actually, uh, Lucas Labor at Liverpool. He's got mm. one year left on his contract. He's 30 years of age, so he's not, he seems like he's been around for ages, but he's only 30, so he's got a wealth of experience and he's an intelligent player. Um, attacking midfielder and a striker. I think the whole spine of the team needs to improve. Cause, and then we've got players around that in terms of the fullbacks. I think they can do a job, uh, Daniels and Smith, although they're inconsistent. And then we've got wingers like Fraser, Stanislas. Pew's always does a job for the team. But I think generally to improve us, we need, that, we need that spine.
0: Yeah, I do agree. I mean, one thing that maybe works to our advantage or not, we ha- we don't really have any sort of world-class exceptional um, players. I mean, players like sort of Callum Wilson, it's going to be great to see him back, but I've just got this fear that he's, he's never going to be the same player. Um, Mings, he is very dominant at the back, but you just wonder... Will he, you know, reach his optimum peak when you've got uh, Steve Cook and, well, I say Summer Francis playing well, but uh, Sam Summers tweeted, there's more chance of Sam himself getting fit, turning professional, being signed and making his Premier League debut, a debut than there is of Frano being dropped. So, I mean, would you... W- 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 I mean, if everyone's fit and say we do get JT, would you be dro- would you be dropping Frano?
1: Oh, 100%. I think... There's, the stats of the back four um, with Smith, Francis Cook and Daniels isn't that, isn't that bad. I think it's something like they've conceded 51 in 35 games playing together. That's including last season and just league games last season and this season. So that in terms of Premier League season isn't bad considering yeah. that we've conceded 60 plus in the last two seasons. But I, I think if you look at Francis um, Compared his performances to last season, I think he has regressed as a player
0: yeah.
1: um, rather than progress. I think we'll get Ake back, to be honest. Yeah, um, I think we'll get Begovic. Um, yeah. I, th- I don't know about anyone else. I know I think they're concrete. There's rumours of Defoe, but I think Begovic and Ake is concrete. But I still don't see Ake as the answer at centre-back because look at the amount of goals we were conceding with him. Even though he was our best player... We were still conceding three-plus goals. If we got Terry next to Cook and then Ake in front, that that would make us more solid, I think.
0: Mm. Have you seen much of
1: um, Hindman at Rangers at all? I have. I've seen about three or four games when they've been on TV. And anyone who says he's the Sermon replacement needs to go and watch him because he's not playing that role for Rangers oh. at all. yeah. He's playing more like Arta in terms of being like a number eight, driving forward, being on the edge of the opposition box rather than um, sitting in front of the, like our defence and coming to get collect the ball, which is what Suman, like primary role is.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, say if... Uh, I'm playing devil's advocate now. Say if um, Heimlin came back, Jack Wilshire stayed on for another season, naming that midfield two or three would be fairly impossible, but I'm going to ask you to do it, Jamie. I mean, who would you play in the
1: middle? Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't. I don't want to say like right off Heinemann because, like, he you no one knows if he's going to be good and no, like no one can say yes he's going to be brilliant for us. Um, and no one can say no he's not he's going to be thrown away mm. because, he's he, he played awful in the cups along with a lot of other play, uh, players. He's only played championship football with Fulham and SPL, with yeah. Rangers, which isn't the same level as the Premier League. And it's likely, it's the same argument with Lewis Cook. You can't um, say they're going to be good or not because you don't know how they're going to compete at this level. Lewis yeah. Cook did all right on Saturday, but that's my problem with the recruitment for us. We do generally sign um, like potential players, but we haven't, as a club got a platform to really develop the players because our under 21 like academy kind of like games they play isn't good enough and when you get knocked out of the cups they well they're not going to play yeah no that's
0: right there does seem to be you know such a disconnect there um, yeah no i mean it's really interesting to sort of hear hear your opinions on that and also there's another there's another story that's emerged this week you know loosely related to afcb harry Redknapp, i mean Taking the job at Birmingham City, when you woke up to see that, I mean, that's just a. To me, that was such an odd decision. But what were your thoughts? He's doing it for the money, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, he says he's not going to get, well, he says he's not going to get paid if they get relegated, but I can't really see that happening. But today he's also said he's going to have Paul Groves um, there as well. Uh, I'm surprised he's not given Kevin Bond a call yet, but Steve Cottrell's along uh, by his side too. It, I mean, for Birmingham, it's, um, yeah, it is a coup. Uh, he is 70 years old and he, he he says that he's just getting bored when he's sort of stuck around the house. I mean, can you see them challenging next season with Redknapp in charge?
1: They need to stay up this season. They, they are right on the slide. They won two <laughs> in the last 23 or something with yeah. Zola.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's, oh, yeah, they were. I mean, there were Birmingham City fans, you know, chanting Zola out and, uh, well, that's been, that wish has been granted. But... Um, as a manager it's just it's just amazing really because he was being sort of touted with the england job and then he he just had a well i wouldn't say a sudden sort of fall from grace but he's just he's not been involved for so long he's been doing a lot of punditry but it's just a uh, seems to be an Quite an odd decision, but all the best uh, to Mr. Harry Redknapp. Um, it was interesting uh, seeing a few sort of uh, tweets about it because a lot of people were incredibly surprised about it. But next on Back of the Net, we're going to be previewing the match at the weekend. And of course, it's Middlesbrough who come to town. We didn't exactly put in the best performance at the Riverside, but we'll get Jamie's predictions and also team lineups too. Hi, this is The Biggin, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So, Bournemouth are going to be entertaining Middlesbrough at We Said. It's a three o'clock kickoff. It seems like it's been a while since we've had a three o'clocker on a Saturday. But, yeah, Middlesbrough are pretty much in the doldrums of the Premier League table. They're stuck down in 19th on 24 points. And they they need six points if they're going to climb out. Hull are on uh, six points ahead of them on 17. Uh, Jamie... Are we going are we going to win this
1: one? Uh I do think we will yeah. I think it'll be a close game but I do think we will win.
0: Yeah, I mean their forms their form's been uh not great. I mean, yeah, they did they did alright performance-wise against Arsenal, but Arsenal I don't think you, they're not a sort of gay... you know, you can't really gauge anything against Arsenal at the moment because they're so topsy-turvy so to sort of um, to mark them against Arsenal I'm not sure. They drew uh, 0-0 at home to Burnley before that losing 4-2 away to Hull. 0-0 away to Swansea. Now these are the games that Middlesbrough should, apart from Arsenal of course should really be winning so um, team line-up wise what, uh, what are you hoping, which players are you hoping that we have out on the pitch?
1: Um, I think we will go Boric and goal. Yeah. Normal back four: Smith, Francis, Cook, and Daniels. Um, I think Arter and if Goslin's fit, I do think he'll play. Yeah. Um, on the wings, I I'd like to see Stanislas on the right and Fraser on the left. Yeah. Then it'll be King and a Phoebe. Yeah,
0: I can't. I can't see a lot wrong with that. I mean, what do you think of Stanislas' performance at Spurs?
1: It was. All right, he couldn't really do a lot. He was more defensive. He did put that uh, peeler of a ball in across the six-yard box in the first half. The only thing of note that we had, and the phobe didn't get in there, but um, it was it was difficult for all the attackers to be honest.
0: Yeah, it it really was. So you wouldn't have Pew in there, no? Um, like
1: I like Pew, but I like Stanislav's my favourite player, so I, I'll chuck him in there.
0: Yeah, and what's I mean, what's quite uh, frustrating is that when Stanislas was out, there were a number of matches where we've had free kicks outside the box, and you know you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, who's going to take this? Because we've not, we haven't got any sort of dead ball specialists. I know that Adam Smith's had a go, maybe Charlie Daniels had one, Jack Wilshere may have had a. Had a, had a shot himself, Simon Francis, I think one of them. We played at square. Like I remember in League One, we scored a goal where they played at square, and he just blasted it low into the net. And he even had a strike with one. So you know, in terms of our sort of dead ball delivery, Stanislas is um, you know is sort of a definitely the one. Now Lewis Cook, then uh, he hasn't played his way into your starting eleven, no.
1: Um, I think he did enough to get into the starting eleven. But I don't think you will be. If Goslin's fit, if, if Goslin isn't fit, then you'll well, have to go in there. There's not many other options, to be honest.
0: No, that's right. So in terms of the actual match itself, I mean, uh, Middlesbrough are, are actually not bad defensively really, but that you know, but they just don't score goals. They're what are they on? Their goal difference is uh, minus uh sixteen, which is um you know, which is two goals better than ours. But let's have a prediction from you then Jamie. I mean what are you thinking from this uh, match? Is it gonna be open? Is it gonna be one where we absolutely dominate and score another six goals like we did against Hull or do you think it's gonna be more of a cagey affair?
1: Um I think it'll be kind of like how we played against Palace not that I think we'll lose but like we'll have a lot of the ball they'll sit in they'll be dogged they will try and soak it up and they'll try and get a set piece with Downing's delivery mm-hmm. uh, or they'll try and get um, a counter attack from Adama Traore who is electric
0: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so it's Middlesbrough. Um, and then the following Saturday, we got Sunderland. It's all Saturday matches now. So after that, Stoke at home and then Burnley. Give me a number of points that you think, well, what would you be satisfied with uh, with from those four games? Obviously, 12 would be the magic number. But I mean, what would you be happy with? Um, Is it 15 left
1: or... One to left. Five.
0: We've got yeah, we've got five games. Uh, so yeah, we've got uh, yeah, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Stoke, and then Burnley, and then after that, we've got um, I can't remember who the last game of the season is against now. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's it. Leicester at uh, at the King Power. So a chance to get another double there. But uh, I mean, out of those four games, I'm saying yeah, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Stoke, and Burnley. Surely we should be at least aiming for what six points from those at least.
1: I'm thinking three against Borough, probably one against Sunderland just because we drew up there last year. But we should be beating them Mm. because they are woeful. Um, Burnley at home, they haven't won a game all season, so that's a potential win. I think between um, seven and ten points for the rest of the season.
0: Uh, very interesting. Now, I did see on Twitter actually earlier, you, you've probably sold them already, but you had some tickets going spare. Are they are they still going or have they been snapped up already?
1: Uh, the Burnley game is gone, yeah. uh, but I still got up one spare for Stoke.
0: Well, get in touch with Jamie Williams. We will retweet his tweet uh, just in case you want to go. So, yeah, so Bournemouth uh, in action three o'clock on Saturday. And uh, let's have a prediction from you then.
1: I'm going 1-0
0: to It's Quite oh, interesting, quite a tough one. I'm going, I don't know, they're not exactly scoring many, so I think you're right with the nil, but I think, I don't know, I've got a feeling that we can notch a few goals. Um, I'm going to try to be optimistic and go for a 3-0 win. So that nearly wraps it up for another episode of Back of the Net. Sean is going to be back next week. It's been a bit of a shorter episode this week, but we're mainly here to preview uh, the match on Saturday. But we did have Do You Remember at the start of the show, and I had to... Chop the audio because it was a nightmare to do because he kept on saying the team who they were playing. Now, Jamie, um, you've heard the audio and also you will have seen and heard the questions that we had after that. Um, are you confident that you know the answers?
1: Um, I know some of them, I think.
0: <laughs> OK. Uh, who did we play that day?
1: Carlisle United.
0: Yeah, that was absolutely spot on. Now, can you remember who actually scored for
1: us? Uh, Steve Cook, yep. Harry, Harry Arter and Brett Pitman.
0: Um now, also, our next question was: Which of the current AFCB squad members, including those on loan, which is a little bit of a clue there, feature for AFC uh, featured for AFCB at the time?
1: Well, it would have been Daniels, Cook, yeah, and Francis. Then you'd have had Arter
0: um pew and grabben interesting now francis didn't actually play that game um so uh, yeah i mean he was in the squad at the time but yeah the other one you got them all right was allsop as well oh, yeah, um yeah. yeah so he was um yeah allsop daniels cook uh pew arter and grabben now were you actually at that game I was on rugby tour, so unfortunately I wasn't uh, available to go to that game, so I was pretty good. Ah, uh, uh, So you may not know the answer to this one, or you may, I don't know if you've seen the highlight reels or whatever, there were a significant number of Carlisle fans dressed as what that day, can you remember? Um, I
1: know they were all in blue and white, so the only like, character I can think of is a Smith. <laughs>
0: which is ooh, blue Spot on, yeah, one hundred percent. Now it was um it was a weird old atmosphere um at full time in that. I mean, I was uh, I was watching it in the East Stand, and uh, the you know results were going perfectly for us. And at full time, everyone was running onto the pitch. But and there was one score that came in for Doncaster, I think it was, and their result went our way, which meant effectively we were up. But there was one result in the evening that confirmed 100% that we were promoted. Can you remember what match that was?
1: I can remember who it was, the home team, because I remember Doncaster and Brentford would be the team. Um, On the last day fighting it out when we drew 0-0 at Tranmere and then there was that penalty saga where Brentford missed it. So it would have been Brentford in the late kickoff. but I can't tell you who they played.
0: Ah, oh, super. Well, you did. You done pretty well. It was Brentford, and they uh, they actually failed to beat the already relegated Hartlepool United. But Jamie, I tell you what. Thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Any time yeah it's been it's been really good and Jamie in the past has um has sent his uh, fan thoughts in and if you want to contribute um, we haven't done them for the last couple of weeks as I said it seems to be that the more listeners we get the less fan thoughts I don't know if everyone's just being a bit complacent or whatever but um, if you want to do that please do um, just send us a voice note from your phone just send it to fans at afcbpodcast.com or we do have a 24 hour answer phone line as, as well it just gets emailed straight to us which is over one two oh two ninety ten forty eight. Do get in touch. Now, if you are on Instagram, now this is like another language to me. I know I design websites for a living, but Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, all this new age stuff. Give me Facebook, give me Twitter, and I'm fine. Um, My niece, Lois, uh, mainstand season ticket holder, holidaying in Tenerife. Happy birthday, Lois, by the way. And Ben, if you're listening today, he's my nephew. He was on last week. Happy birthday to you too, sir. He's reached the big 1-0. Good times ahead in your uh, 10s, Ben. Anyway, um, Lois has set up Snapchat. No, what is it? Instagram. So you can follow us on Instagram. Is that the thing to follow? Anyway, have a look. It's... The username is afcb podcast. So find afcb podcast on Instagram. Basically, um, we're going to have a few people running that account and uh, tweeting pictures and retweeting our tweets. And uh, no, it's not even tweeting, is it? See, I haven't got a clue. But anyway, afcb podcast is the account. Anyway. Sean's going to be back next week. Thanks Jamie for stepping in and fingers crossed we'll be talking about a magnificent home win on the next episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Steve Cook with the throw. Swept goal is by Daniels and back in by Arter.
1: And it's finished by Josh King. Bournemouth bring problems for Liverpool again. They strike Lincoln and Bournemouth are level at Anfield.